Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow my co-host Mo Nuara and myself as Twitter handles are right on the screen. But without further ado, time to bring in our very special guest that we've been teasing all week. He is Tom Verducci and he is one of the only MLB analysts to not only have played Major League Baseball, obviously, professionally, but he's covered the sport for more than 30 years, a four-time Emmy Award winner, also a columnist for Sports Illustrated. Tom, had to give you a lot of kudos there. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. And you were mentioning that your son went to grad school in Chicago. I'm in Chicago currently. Mo visits every so often to the Windy City He's currently in the lowly state of Nebraska. I hate to throw a shot at your state, Mo, but we we have to every so often. But Tom, let's start off with the latest article that you wrote up that you penned for Sports Illustrated on Tuesday, breaking down the Rays. And in your column, you wrote exactly verbatim, don't believe the nonsense that you can't win a division in April. You can only lose it, or that's what people tend to say. But the Dodgers who were 14-2 and two to begin the 95 season, or 55 season, I should say. The 77 Dodgers as well, the 84 Tigers, and the 2016 Cubs that broke the 108-year curse are just a few teams that led their respective divisions early on in April and went on to win the World Series. So the Rays actually began the season at plus 350 to win the AL East and 20-1 to one to win the World Series. And they're now priced as the favorite in the AL East and have the four shortest World Series odds. So long story short, where do you rank Tampa Bay among your World Series contenders as of this recording on Wednesday? Listen, I think they're a serious World Series contender. I say that because I I can't give them the division yet. As you guys have seen, the AL East is just a beast this year. Um, But when you look now at the expanded postseason, six teams in each league, you're talking about a team that can play losing baseball the rest of the way and still get to 87, 88 wins. And last year we saw anybody who won 87, you're in. That's pretty much, I still believe, where the barometer is to get into the postseason, about 87 wins. It could be less in certain years. Hard to believe that Tampa Bay doesn't get into the postseason. I've got them in right now. So once that team is in the postseason, I don't care if they're a sixth seed, as Philadelphia was last year, or a one seed. They've got the kind of pitching that can run the table in October. I mean, we haven't even seen Tyler Glass now on the mound for the Rays. And they match up as well as anybody. I think when you look at pitching staffs in the postseason, you have to look at rotations. I think rotations become more important in the postseason than they do in the regular season. Um, And and I like teams that have swing and miss stuff that get you out in the strike zone, right? Because you don't want to get beat by walks in the postseason. You certainly don't want to get beat by home runs. And I look at the stuff that the Rays have, and they can take on any offensive team. So, listen, I didn't think the Rays were going to be, and it's only a month, but I didn't think they were going to be this good because I didn't think their offense was anything better than, say, Major League Average. After seeing them in person and seeing some of the changes that they've made, uh, I think that offense is legit. Maybe not a top four or five offensive team, but certainly above average. So we never worry about their pitching, never worry about their defense. Now I'm looking at a team that's better offensively. So, yeah, I think they've got as good of a shot as anybody. I still like Houston because of the track record to come out of the American League. 
But now I would say the Rays in my book have jumped up. They're as good as anybody in the American League. Mo doesn't like to hear that. He has a win total under bet on the Astros. <laughs> but staying in the American League East, Tom, the Yankees, speaking of rotations, banged up on the mound. But Garrett Cole's pitching, obviously, at a Cy Young level. He's the favorite at around plus 350, plus 400 currently in the market. One of the favorites entering the season, of course, along with the Rays ace. And Toronto right behind the Yankees for third, third best odds to win the AL East. Although, like we've discussed so far, Tampa Bay with a very controlling edge in the division. And Toronto got pretty healthy, taking on the White Sox this week. And maybe we'll get into how bad just the White Sox are later on in the podcast. And then Baltimore is off to a surprise, and I believe eight or nine games over 500. A lot of pitching question marks entering the year, although this lineup is loaded. So, and Jorge Mateo also, I was looking this up before the show, he ranks seventh in war, not only in the AL, but across Major League Baseball. Maybe it's not Baltimore, but between the Yankees and the Blue Jays, who do you like most behind Tampa Bay, not just in the context of the division, but like you mentioned, in October, where pitching matters most. Yeah, I still like New York. Um, I still don't have to see Carlos Rodon actually on the mound and dealing the way he can. I mean, it's it's taking longer than a lot of people, including the Yankees, thought for him to get back. Um, and back problems, as you guys know, can be, they can linger. And that's what's happening right now with Rodon. Um, so if you give me the Yankees with a healthy Cole, as you mentioned, I mean, he's as good as he's ever been right now. And it, this goes back to spring training. He is just completely locked in um, from Jump Street this year. But if you give me Cole and Rodon and Severino, that's a pretty darn good rotation. It's tough for anybody to match up with those top three. Um, so we're a long way from getting to that point. But if you if you start with the Yankees fully healthy, I would give the Yankees the edge. Ton of respect for Toronto. Um, listen, I thought the, the Achilles heel in that team was the back end of the rotation. Wasn't sure about Barrios. Wasn't sure about Kikuchi. Um, I did like the signing of Bassett. Um, so it looks now like they're getting something out of Kikuchi. Barrios has been a little bit better. And uh, I didn't see this coming from Matt Chapman. He's been just about as good as anybody in baseball the first month of the season. You know, he's now two years removed from his hip surgery. So he does look fully healthy. He's made some swing changes. I, I think what he's doing here is legit. I, I think Matt Chapman was a great player, got away from it because of injury. And now he's getting back there. So that really deepens that Toronto lineup. Um, it's going to be like last year, though, in that East. I mean, you're not going to have a, a lot of separation. I actually, I came really close to picking Baltimore as a playoff team before the year started. I really like what they're doing, uh, but I do think they're going to have to go out in the market midseason and get some more pitching. Now, they're counting on getting John Means back from his Tommy John surgery at some point during the season. That will help. You always have to be cautious, though, about counting on guys coming back from Tommy John. Some guys take longer, like a Noah Syndergaard, and just never get back. And then you have Verlander, who's like better than ever when he gets back. So you never know with that. But Baltimore, to me, is equipped to play today's game. I'm talking about the new rules, as well as anybody. They're young. They're aggressive. They steal bases. They play defense. Uh, and I think they can leverage that to just be a complete pain in the butt all year in that division. Yeah, they've been a pain in the butt for me so far. Uh, <laughs> I was not bullish on Baltimore this year. I mean, I like what they're doing long-term for sure as well, but I thought this would be maybe a little bit of a, a step back year for them. Uh, did not see this level of performance coming for sure. The pitching has been, it was terrible on paper, but yeah, I like their lineup. 
hope, hoping for better things from the Blue Jays. But uh, switching over to the West, uh, we wanted to see what your thoughts were about Texas because pretty disastrous series here. Obviously, they got smacked around by Cincinnati in the late innings. Um, but yeah, what what did you think about the Rangers, I guess, coming into the season? Because they were a team that I thought had like a World Series ceiling, but like a pretty low floor as well. So pretty wide range of outcomes. And has that whatever you thought before, has that changed at all after their like overall hot start uh, sweep against Cincy notwithstanding? Yeah, uh, Texas was a team I picked to go to the postseason. You know, I, I say this every year when you look at postseason and, and who gets in every year. And I mean, literally every year, there's at least one team and on average two who are in the place in the playoffs the year after they had a losing record. So the people who sit down and pick their 12 playoff teams and go by, you know, who got in the playoffs last year and who are the best <laughs> teams on paper in February, you're missing something if you don't pick two sort of, for lack of a better phrase, wildcard teams. And for me, the two teams that jumped out were Texas and Arizona. Arizona, because their bullpen was historically horrific the last couple of years, and I know they're loaded with really good young position players. Um, so in what you were talking about, wide range of out win outcomes, Arizona, I think, has a really wide uh, possible outcome. But Texas I liked because they were historically bad in one-run games last year, which was not going to happen. Usually those things are kind of flukish, as you know, they can go back and forth. Um, they added a veteran manager at Bruce Bochy, and most of the teams I looked at who did have turnaround seasons changed managers and went to a veteran manager. Um, they were a team that was most hurt by defensive shifts with their left-handed hitters, especially Corey Seager. That going away, I figured, would help their offense. And the biggest thing is, man, they, they added Jacob DeGrom. They added the best pitcher in baseball. And as much as people want to talk about his injury history, and that's not a small thing, um, when he's on the mound, he's better than anybody in baseball. I mean, that was a huge get for them. And it wasn't the only get, you know, with Nathan Avaldi there, Andrew Heaney. Now they're sending a veteran established pitcher to the mound every single game. And if they need backup, they can go put a young pitcher in that position rather than forcing them into the rotation from opening day. So I like the experience they added, I like the pitching that they added. Um, you know, listen, I, I think they still have – uh, a wide range of outcomes themselves, but it wouldn't surprise me if we're watching the Texas Rangers in the postseason. Now, I think they're legit. I think, uh, yeah, outside of the Cincinnati series, the way they played this year and the last couple of weeks without Seager, uh, I think that team believes in itself. So I don't think they're going away. This is interesting because obviously you would never bet on a sport that you cover and let alone play. The Detroit Lions are a prime example of that last week, but you mentioned bullpen variants. You mentioned managerial replacements as a way to gauge upstart teams and bounce back seasons. I think you would make Tom for a pretty good better, but maybe another conversation <laughs> for another podcast years down the road. Mo, I'll swing it back to you. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves are another team we wanted to discuss real quick. Um, my favorite team, actually. Good time to be a Braves fan. Uh, but, yeah, Ronald Acuna looking more like his old self. Uh, the betting markets are very excited about all things Atlanta right now. I believe they're the World Series favorite, Acuna MVP favorite, Spencer Strider, one of the Cy Young favorites, if not the favorite. Um, how do you see Atlanta shaking out in all these various races and in the NL as a whole, uh, do you kind of see them as the team to beat or 
the Padres, Phillies, obviously these teams struggling a little more uh, after real strong playoff runs last year. Yeah, you know, I picked the the Padres coming out of the National League, but that's certainly no disrespect to the Braves. I mean, that's sort of a coin flip. I I do agree with what you said, especially about Acuna. Um, I think deep down he wants to be the MVP. And I think with the, the stolen base environment we have now, he's going to put up some ridiculous power speed numbers that kind of separate him from the usual middle of the order guys who tend to win MVPs. Uh, he, he's playing with his hair on fire right now. It's great to see. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing if a guy is motivated by an individual award. You're going to get the best out of him. And that's what I see of Acuna right now. And I love the Braves. I mean, I, I picked them over the Mets in the division. The Mets were kind of the hot team in the postseason. I get it. They're a really good team. They're going to push 100 wins again. Um, but what I like about the Braves, and this is what I like about most teams, um, when you look at their roster, they're just loaded with guys who are the sweet spot of their careers. I'm talking about, say, 25 to 30, 31. Those players tend to perform best. They tend to stay healthier. Teams that are young have more variation in performance. Teams that are old have more variation in health. And they're just loaded with guys at that right spot of their careers. So uh, I, I almost feel, too, they're like a college football team that has a good system going. You know, guys who get there, like an Olsen or a Murphy, uh, they just they're folded in immediately there. Uh, there's no sort of break-in period or adjustment period. So they're showing that once again. Um the pitching, as you mentioned, with with Strider, who's to me, he's kind of the front of the rotation. That's saying a lot when you got Max Fried there, because I have a ton of respect for Max, who's nearly won a Cy Young. Um, but Strider just has one of these disappearing fastballs that hitters still have not been able to adjust to, and that tells me he's he's really special. You know what you're getting with him as a hitter? He's not really fooling people, uh, but he's he's that tough to square up. So. Yeah, ton of respect for the Braves. Uh, I get the sense that the Braves are never satisfied. You know, winning division titles, winning the World Series a couple of years ago, getting back there. I never get the sense that they're coasting, that, hey, we, we got our ring or, you know, we know we're good. Um, they're always striving. I like that. It's a credit to Brian Snicker. I think he's a great manager. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Braves, you know, listen, I picked the Padres just because that lineup, when they're at full force, is just dynamic. Um, but the Braves maybe have – um, you know, one through 26, maybe the better roster. It's interesting with Strider really quickly because Mo was plagued by him last year. The peripherals didn't love him, even though his stuff, as you know, it is flat out incredible. And the peripherals are starting to adore him a bit more this year. And obviously his results speak for itself. So I'm curious, based on what you've seen as someone who's covered the game for so long, what's your, or who is your comp? For Strider, yeah, I mean it's difficult because he's he's such a, a high fastball. He's got tremendous ride on that high fastball. He's not a tall guy, you know. He's probably five eleven. I don't know what he's listed at, but um, lower release point. So hitters just can't get on top of that pitch. He gets underneath the baseball. I've seen a lot of relievers with stuff like that, but it's unusual to see a starting pitcher who's who sort of pitches uphill, if you will, with that stuff. Um, of course, he's got the great slider as well. So it's tough to to come up with a starting pitcher comp who, who's got stuff like that. I mean, when Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell was at his best, you know, he reminds me of Kimbrell in that way. Low release point, great uh, high velocity, high spin. Hitters couldn't square it up. Um, but again, to do that over six, seven innings a night, be punching out 10, 11, 12, 13, 
uh, that's a small set of players. And I think probably that's what makes them so unique and great is that hitters just don't see Spencer Strider's starting games. It's, it's very unusual. Last question here for you, Tom, and I really appreciate the time on today's podcast. You mentioned upstart teams earlier, or at least teams that you thought could contend that did not last season, Texas and Arizona being prime examples. The Pirates are atop the NL Central, at least as of this Wednesday recording. Milwaukee just behind them in the standings, and St. Louis is off to its worst start since 1973. So two-part question here, maybe kind of leaving Milwaukee out just because people thought they would be in contention in the NL Central. But Brian Reynolds, an MVP candidate to start this season, just considering how good of a start he's gotten off to, 70-1, to I believe, to win NL MVP. So what do you make of Pittsburgh collectively? And then you mentioned bullpen variance and just variance overall, like with Arizona. The Cardinals have had a ton of negative variance go against them. Mo and I were texting before the show yesterday or today that Tommy Edmond, typically a sure-handed defensive player, had two errors that cost the Cardinals the last two games that resulted in consecutive losses. So can Pittsburgh remain in the race and can the Cardinals bounce back from this awful start, to put it lightly? Yeah, as much as I love the Pittsburgh story, and and I just love, it's a great baseball town and a great ballpark. You can't help but really root for Pittsburgh to have a really competitive baseball team. It's good for the game and especially for the city. But I just don't know if they can keep it up for six months in terms of playing winning baseball. I I think they can hang around the fringes of a wild card race. I mean, listen, if you play 500 ball for three or four months, that puts you right in the race, believe it or not. Uh, I think they can do something like that, but actually get in and, that may take doing something in the in the middle of the season. I just teams like the Pirates, lower payroll type teams, even when things are going well, you always worry about depth over the course of the season with standing injuries. They've already lost O'Neill Cruz down a terrific player. Um, it's really the the depth that really shows up over 162. Um, and I'll be curious to see what happens in July and, and how Ben Charrington responds. They've got a great asset in someone like David Bednar, controllable lockdown closer at the end of the game. Now, I wouldn't trade him. I don't think the Pirates are going to trade him. But usually that's who we see get moved in July, right? Every contender is looking to fortify their bullpen, especially a guy who can pitch the ninth inning. Uh, he's going to be in demand. It's a matter of what the price is. Um, so we'll see if they continue to stay on this path and kind of hold on to what they have or realize, and Baltimore did this last year, trading Pablo Lopez. You know, we're a year ahead of schedule. We're not going to fool ourselves into thinking we're going to get a postseason spot this year. We're going to make a deal that makes sure that next year, when we're on our schedule, we're a better team than we are right now. That's always an interesting dynamic, only that that team knows its players better as well as, as anybody. So, Cardinals, I wouldn't worry too much about. I think their season is going to come down to they have a pile of really good position players and trading one of those players to fortify their pitching staff, whether that's bullpen or rotation. I don't know, but um, it, it it reminds me sort of what uh, the Marlins did when they made the trade for Arise. They were sitting a lot of young pitching talent, and they said, we've got to be better offensively. And you trade from that surplus to address the need. I, I think the Cardinals may be in that position where they need to fortify their rotation, but I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, Evan's a terrific defensive player. This should be a really good defensive team. Uh, if anything, I know they got to the postseason last year with very low strikeout rates, but I still think you want a little more swing and miss they have in their staff. Um, 
So the Cardinals are going to listen, look at their track record. They never have a bad season. They're always in the race. I don't think any team in that central is going to be put up, you know, a high nineties type number, even Milwaukee to put the Cardinals away. So they certainly will be heard from. Wouldn't surprise me if they won the division, but they're not going away. All right. So Tom, just like us, Mo, we have another guy on the Cardinals bandwagon for better (laughs) or worse as a bylow candidate the rest of the season. That is the great Tom Verducci covering Major League Baseball for Fox Sports and Sports Illustrated. One of the nicest people in the industry. I've been booking Tom on radio shows that I worked on as a producer for the last five plus years. So, Tom, you always answer my texts when others don't want to. So I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on today's Beat the Closing Number. Yeah, thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for today's edition of Beat the Closing Number. Thank you for watching and listening. Remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the lines releases a new video on any sport. Talk to you all tomorrow.